0: This podcast is part of the Dark Collective. Visit darkness.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits.
1: It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go going Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain Podcast you won't ever change These two here, they got the recipe Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, Zane
2: Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories And now here's your host Jerry and Tracy Pauling And their dog, Ninja
1: This is Justin Rimmel from Mysterious Circumstances and Rev. 9-6. This is Jerry
3: and Tracy from, from Hillbilly, Hillbilly Horror
4: Stories. Stories. Do, Do we have a special, special treat for you? you.
1: By now, you know that we are doing a live episode in Atchison, Kansas on August 10th
3: atchison is home to the infamous sally house
1: atchison is one of the most haunted towns
4: in america so with the help of maria miller we have an entire weekend in store for you
3: this is maria miller tourism director for atchison kansas we're excited to welcome all of your listeners to the most haunted town in kansas and one of the most haunted towns in the country atchison where history repeats itself every single day in the most unusual of ways you better get your tickets now because we have lots of exciting events planned for you
1: Besides our live show at Palucci Restaurant, which is one of the most haunted restaurants in America, there will be haunted trolley rides, cemetery tours, tours of the Sally House, and even an investigation of the Sally House, if you're not too scared. You can get your tickets for all of the Atchison events at hillbillyhorrorstories.com.
4: See you in Kansas. Hey guys, welcome to episode 152 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry.
3: And I'm Tracy.
4: And we're going to start off with saying yesterday was Tracy's birthday.
3: And I would like to say thank you guys so, so much for taking your time out of your day to say happy birthday. I got the sweetest messages and I tried really, really, really hard to address (laughs) each and every one of you. I think I succeeded, but if I didn't personally say thank you on your post, I'm so sorry. But I did say that at the end of the day, you guys really made my day so special, and I felt a lot of love yesterday. You guys are the best. Thank you for making my day special.
4: Good. And tonight's episode, mm-hmm. before we get into uh, some of the other stuff, tonight's episode has two guests.
3: Okay, Great.
4: We have comedian David Race, who has a mm-hmm. podcast called Monstrosity, yep. who gets all kinds of cool-ass guests. I know. It's so crazy. I mean, so he, crazy. Gets, like, he gets all the guests from, like, our audience will, in particular, because our, our, oh, yeah. the age group of our audience, this will be right in their wheelhouse. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, he's had Lonnie Anderson. Mm-hmm. He's had Christopher Knight, who's Peter Brady. Yep. He's had, uh, who was it he told me that I didn't realize he had? A, well, we'll get into that in an interview, because he tells yeah. all, all the guests he's got. but. The podcast is Monstrosity. David Race is a very funny guy, and his show mixes the uh, uh, paranormal with just celebrities and comedy. So Mm -hmm. it's a a good mix that I haven't heard completely the way he does it. So pretty cool. But you'll hear from him later. Now, what I'm going to bring up about him is there's a big coincidence that happened here. That ties in with our second guest, thus making me change the story we were going to do this week. Because I had a different story picked out. And when I talked to, uh, you guys have heard Amanda on the show. Mm-hmm. She's uh, um, crazy, to put it lightly. In Love a good you, girl. Way. Love you, girl. But we're going to do a new segment that starts tonight called uh, Amanda's Take.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I'll give her a paranormal story that's a little on the kooky side. And I just let her rant about it. And it turned out as good as I hoped it would. <laughs> but the story we did was on Whitehall, New York, and a Bigfoot calling contest. Mm. So people could, you know, try to make the the sound or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they have a big festival up there. This was back in September uh, when when they did this. But ESPN covered everything. So I had her cover that. And then when we bring on David Race, he mentions an incident that happened in that same area. Now, I had, this was in Whitehall, New York. I had no idea that, that Whitehall was considered the Bigfoot capital oh, of the, of no the East clue. Coast. And then we just happened to have two people on that both mentioned it in the same episode. Mm-hmm. So I thought we should do the Beast of Whitehall as the episode, so it all ties in together. There you go. Before we do that, obviously, we want to say a big thank you to all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank mm-hmm. you, guys and
3: Yeah, gals. thank you, guys and gals. We appreciate you. God bless you each and every day, and we're keeping you in our prayers.
4: Obviously, we always want to um, bring up uh, the depression aspect of the show that we, we like to cover. And with a heavy heart, it, it means a little more this week. We lost a friend uh, due to suicide on Monday. Yeah,
3: so sad.
4: Um, she struggled for years and years, and unfortunately, she couldn't find that peace. Um and felt this was her way yeah, out God bless and it her. just really sucks but, no
3: it does suck it really does
4: so like i said uh you know it doesn't solve everything but hopefully it solves it temporarily enough until you can you know get that fixture or maybe the extra help that you need yeah. to get past that day uh, because i wish she had called us or talk to somebody mm-hmm. or something to where she could have made a different decision yeah. on Monday than what yeah. she did.
3: Our prayers are with her family. We're so sorry.
4: But if you're in that situation and you hear us, please reach out to somebody. Please. Um, ever There's not a person that you know that wouldn't love the opportunity to tell you how special you are.
3: Absolutely.
4: Uh, if you need to talk to somebody you feel more comfortable talking to a stranger, the suicide hotline in America is one 800 275 8255 and then uh, the text line is 741 741. Is that wrong? Is that
3: 273?
4: Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, I mean, I'm going at that point I was going to go fix it. I was not going. to Wait. 273 8255 and if you're more of a texter, 741 741. So the incident that really kicked off the whole beast of Whitehall uh, obviously happened right outside of Whitehall, New York. And Whitehall is about two hours from New York City. Mm-hmm. It's right at the foot of the Adirondack Mountains. I'm sure I'll butcher that two or three times. Right? It's a hard <laughs> word to say. Oh, yeah, it is. And that's why I don't even buy those Adirondack chairs, because it's hard to say. I just say, <laughs> let me have those chairs with the slanted backs. <laughs> but then there's a there's a giant park there. And I say park. This is more of like a giant nature preserve mountainous area but it's called Adirondack Park. It's huge and a majority of it's been untouched by humans for like thousands of years.
3: Oh, that's good. Yeah.
4: So it's it was established in 1885 and the first it was the first state preserve of its type in the nation. And what I mean by that is what makes it different is that most preserves don't have people on them. Right. This one includes people. So oh, there I love are that. some areas of the preserve where people live. And uh, 52% of the land is privately owned, but it is heavily regulated by the uh, Adirondack Park Agency. So, you think some of these homeowner associations are bad? I can imagine how it is here. Oh yeah, I'm sure they put some strict limits on what you can and can't do. There's approximately 102 towns and villages in this little in this area of the park. Now, keep in mind, this park is 6.1 million acres.
3: Wow, that's I crazy. I told you it was
4: huge. It's got 10,000 lakes and 30,000 miles of rivers and streams. Oh, sounds beautiful. Well, that's true. And there's only a population of 132,000 year-round and 200,000 people that come uh, seasonal. Okay. That's not very many people for 6 million acres.
3: No, As you not can imagine.
4: All. And that kind of makes us a perfect spot for a Bigfoot-type creature to be able to hide and go unnoticed for most of the time.
3: Well, yeah, man. It's like he got the whole place to
4: himself. Right. So our story is going to start in August of 1976. Marty Paddock and Paul Goslin, they were driving through some swampy type of woods near Whitehall, New York, on an isolated road, and that road's name was A Bear Road.
3: A Bear? A
4: Bear. A-B-A-R-E. Oh, okay.
3: So, so. not A Bear. Right. Okay, gotcha.
4: So they're riding down this road. And like I said, it's it's near Whitehall, but it's not exactly in Whitehall. And that'll come into play here in a little bit, the reason I'm telling you that. They hear a scream. They assume, obviously, somebody's in trouble. <laughs> yeah. The scream came from the forest, so they slam on the brakes, they get out of their truck. They listen, but they don't hear anything. So they get back in the truck, they start driving down the road. Something just didn't feel right, though. They're like, "Man, what if we... Yeah, yeah what, if, what somebody if somebody was really was, and we left mm-hmm. them? So they don't get very far. They turn around and come back. When they get there, now keep in mind, as they were going the first time, it was like dusk, so it was still a little bit light, light outside. Out,
3: mm-hmm.
4: By the time they get back, it's dark now. Yeah, they look towards an area that had a barbed wire fence, and they see something moving. They couldn't really make out what it was, but they could tell it was large, had to be at least seven or eight feet tall, and it was on two legs. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a shadowy type figure because of Mm -hmm. the backdrop and everything that they had. They noticed that whatever the thing was, it was coming towards them. Oh, dang. (laughs) Yeah. So Goslin tells Paddock to floor the truck. I was
3: going to say, were they (laughs) still in the truck? Yeah, they were still in the (laughs) truck.
4: He tells them to floor it. They peel out and they race to Whitehall Police Department. The police there weren't really receptive to their story, as yeah. you can imagine. And they had no desire to go investigate. They just figured, you know, these guys are something. Mm-hmm. They're either making it up or they they saw something else, yeah. whatever the case was. So they sat they went and picked up another friend. And I don't know what that person's name was because every story that I saw only listed uh, Gosselin and Paddock. So, so I, ne- did- I never heard the third person that they went and picked up.
3: So even, did they tell the police they heard that scream? Yeah, they didn't care. Oh,
4: everything. dang. No, they told them everything. They just didn't care. So they go in and they pick up their friend. And they had just gotten back to the spot where this was. They had just gotten there. And they see the creature off in the distance. <clears> they, they didn't have to wait long at all. So they go back to the police station. They caught a break. Because Paul Goslin, one of the guys, his brother was a police officer. And he was on duty now. And he wasn't on duty. So this combined... With the fact that, you know, now it's his brother and the fact that they've got a third witness, they give it a little more credibility and they pay a little more attention to what they've got to say. So Officer Goslin immediately assumes that the men just saw a bear or some type of other animal, or it's even possible that they were a victim of a prank. Maybe somebody was out there just messing around They just happened to saw it uh, or happened to see it and they thought maybe it was something else. So then they run into the first hurdle. Remember I told you a while ago it was right outside of Whiteside. Yes. And that literally is the case. So it was outside of Whitehall's jurisdiction. Oh, dang. So Officer Goslin sends the info over to State Police Department and Nate sent some officers to the site. Officer Goslin was unable to go to the site that night, which he would have loved to do, and he regretted afterwards that he didn't get to go. So now we get to the site. The police are looking for any signs that there's a creature that could have been out there or any kind of disturbance or anything that was described by these three teens. Then all of a sudden, one officer from the state police department, one of the troopers, he yells, what the hell was that? Oh, God. Well, the other officers all look in the direction that this startled you know, trooper is now staring into. Yeah. There was a huge creature on two legs. They said much bigger than any bear they had ever seen in the area. It was right by the deep brush. It then walked off into the woods.
3: He didn't even say hi?
4: Apparently not. Rude. He is rude. So they all run over to where this thing was standing at. Mm-hmm. There were large footprints. They said three times larger than any man's footprint. But strangely enough, they were very similar to what a man's footprint would have looked like. No kidding. Just Like
3: there. have like as many toes same, as us? Same
4: thing. It looked same thing, just three times bigger. Oh maybe his feet were swollen. It's possible. He's retaining water. <laughs> yeah. So Officer Goslin the next day grabbed a state trooper friend of his by the name of George Fox and they went out there to see what was going on. They spent some time out in the area looking around before kind of retreating back to their cars and they kinda of did it like a little stakeout deal. Yeah. Because they wouldn't find it in anything, so they both got in their separate cars. Turn the lights off, turn the motor off, and just watched.
3: Oh, my gosh. What if they snuck up behind them?
4: <laughs> so hours go by with nothing happening. Gosling gets out of his car, kind of stretches his legs a little bit, and he hears some heavy footsteps coming from behind him.
3: Oh. I would have pooped my pants.
4: Now, Trooper Fox hears it also. Is he still in the car? Yes. And he calls out over the CB, Brian, I hear something. Because Brian was,
3: oh, awesome, but in the other fair. car. Yeah,
4: Goslin could hear something big, just kind of moving through the thick vegetation out there. You know, mm-hmm. you can hear it. Yeah, and he grabs his gun. He hat, hi- you know, kind of hides behind the door of the car. Then he sees it. He said it was pretty much scraggly. Hair was all ratty. yeah said it was covered from hair from head to toe. He estimated that it was at least 300 pounds. Mm. The eyes were big, and he said, said it seemed to have like a slight glow to them. Of course, that could have just been from the, the light that was out there. He said he instantly knew that it wasn't a bear, and he said it looked like an ape, but it moved like a human. Mm-hmm. So like shined his powerful um uh, spotlight on it on the creature you Now cars always have the oh the yeah spotlight. the spotlights yeah he shines this thing on it. he said it was only 50 feet away from him
3: oh you better hope he could run quick or get in that car <laughs> quick
4: well this thing this creature he said it stopped dead in its tracks it threw its arms up in front of its eyes and screamed out like this shriek
3: like the lights were
4: hurting his eyes yes he cocks his 357 magnum <laughs> as trooper fox Came right past him from behind in his car, screaming over the radio as he just left Officer Goslin to fend for himself. So he's like, I'm out of what here. What in the heck are they doing? So when he shined this light on this thing, Trooper Fox sees it and he's like, Oh, hell no, I'm out. So he just peels oh, uh, out Well, Well, way to
3: uh, defend your partner.
4: <laughs> so Goslin looks back and he sees this creature. But he didn't feel threatened at all. He didn't think this creature wanted to hurt him. Mm-hmm. So he thinks he's just scared by the light. Yeah. He couldn't bring himself to shoot it. And he said he just, you know, it just wasn't the right thing to do. Well, good for him. So a few seconds later, it ran off into the woods. He said as it ran off that he clearly could see the backbone of the creature and its butt. And that his butt hair was caked in mud. Obviously, he had been sitting there. He just down. needs
3: a good bath. He needs some shampoo. <laughs>
4: Gosling said that he felt like he was the intruder that night. Yeah. Like he was trespassing. On his On his turf. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he kept the spotlight on for a few more minutes. And he kind of kept replaying all the events in his head. Mm -hmm. As you can imagine, something like that. Yeah, that's a big night for him. So he's like, in his head, he's thinking, should I have shot it? You know, there would have been proof. And he probably would have been looked at as a hero. But what if this was like one of the only few of these creatures yeah, in the world yeah. left? Yeah, yeah. Now he killed one of them. He would feel like that was the Yeah, most he would feel really bad. thing to do. So Goslin goes back home. He's met with a horde of reporters. The news had already spread because Trooper Fox remember was on the radio. Yeah. So whatever he was saying everybody else was hearing. Everybody knew. So Goslin went right past the media and locked himself inside. He didn't want to talk to anybody. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Later that afternoon, now keep in mind, they were out there all night long, so it was already the next day by the time he gets home. But later that afternoon, he went back to the spot, and he noticed several large footprints in the mud. Mm -hmm. He said there were no claw marks, and the stride from the distance was just too big for a man to do, so he ruled out it being a hoax at that point in time. So check this out. So we know he didn't talk to the media, right? But the paper... That night made him look foolish through a bunch of quotes that he never even gave. It's like they just made stuff up. Oh, figures. The townspeople were also very unkind to him, and the higher-ups in the police department told all the officers not to speak about the incident. The problem is, obviously, you can't just wish something away by ignoring it. So the next day, there was a report of a creature crossing um, Pulteney River that divides New York and Vermont. Mm Mm-hmm. So police were able to go out there, and they were able to get a cast of the footprint from a muddy uh, riverbank right there.
3: It's called a milage. A milage.
4: <laughs> the things you learned from Andy Griffith.
3: Yes. Well, I mean, I, they probably did decided not to make a big milage out of it. You know, didn't want to scare the people. <laughs> yeah,
4: well, nothing ever really came of this, though, because of shoddy investigative techniques and unwillingness to pursue the truth. So the case just kind of dried up, and Officer Goslin kept quiet for decades thereafter. It's a shame, though, because there was so much trace evidence in this case with all the footprints and everything and so many police officers that are credible witnesses. This could have been the defining Bigfoot proof that we would all like to have had.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, he was kind of put in a hard spot, you know. He was trying to do the right thing but not killing it, which I applaud him for. I think that was great. I mean, if he's out there minding his own business and not bothering anybody, why should you kill him? Right. But I think it sucks that everybody gave him a hard way to go and made fun of him, and you know, his, his brothers didn't back him up, you know? It's kind of a weird place to be in. I think he did the right thing.
4: And we'll get into a little bit of that as we continue on here. So since that time in 1976, there have been several other sightings in the area, including one about a year ago. I think it was Ooh, August dang. of last year. Paul Bartholomew, he's like an investigator of uh, unexplained phenomenon, at least that's what his business card says. <laughs>
3: so. It must be true then.
4: But anyway, he he's a Bigfoot enthusiast, and he said that a person contacted him and said that they saw a creature crossing Route 4 as they were driving by. Mm-hmm. It was described as a six-foot-tall, long arms, not much of a neck, and broad shoulders. He said it climbed over a guardrail and disappeared into the darkness. Bartholomew says that he's been searching for Bigfoot ever since his teenage years when he learned about these events back in 1976 and how many credible witnesses there were. He said Whitehall has 4,000 residents. And back then, they weren't real happy about the publicity as it kind of, I guess...
3: Had people come there all the time. Well, now, I bad. Guess. it just... Maybe.
4: It, well, According to him, they wanted to sweep it under the rug because they were the butt of jokes. Because uh, people just looked at them as yokels for believing in a monster, and it just felt like it was a bad reputation. They just like they made them look like a bunch of idiots, mm. as far as they were concerned. Yeah, get over it. Many people who've had Bigfoot sightings don't report them at all because of that whole stigma of what people are going to say about you. Uh, even the person who reported this one re- wished to remain anonymous.
3: Oh, no kidding.
4: So he gets the report from the motorist, and he goes out there the very next day. He said he found some prints out there himself, and then he made some, was it, melage?
3: Mm-hmm.
4: He made some plaster casts out of those. He said they were about 12 inches long and 5 inches across. That doesn't seem very big to me.
3: 12 inches long. No, it's about the size of a basketball player's foot, isn't it? Well,
4: I'm bigger in some <laughs> yeah. cases, because I know like Shaq wears like a 22 and that's size ins- 22, That's just you know. insane. So I'm not exactly, but to me, that doesn't seem it seems all as that big. big. Right. Not as big as the ones earlier that, that said it was three times bigger. So, according to Bartholomew, Bigfoot sightings are more common in August, September, and October, which suggests that the creatures may migrate mm-hmm. those times of the, of the year. There was also a report of a sighting on Route 4 in this exact same spot in 2006 of September. Nice. 2006. So Whitehall's come to grips with this whole legacy now. And they have the Bigfoot Festival that we'll talk about a little bit later. That's what I'm saying. Embrace it. Yeah. And and they have actually made Bigfoot the town's official animal. Aw. See? So how cool is that? That's very cool. Might as well embrace it, man. All right, so that's the story we've got tonight. Like I said, we've got two other things that tie in with this story going on tonight. So it's going to be a a fairly lengthy show. Stick around throughout. We're going to get to our our Patreon and iTunes um, supporters here shortly. But first, I want to say... That the show in Atchison, Kansas, is down as we speak to fifteen tickets left.
3: Yep, started started selling again. Yeah. So,
4: well, as you get closer, that's the way it is. So, I mean, they, they'll sell out quick. We've sold like four of them in the past two days, mm-hmm. and like I said, fifteen left. It won't last long. And then we've got the show with Tony Bursky also in August in Lexington. You're going to want to come to that show. We've got a few other surprises we haven't told anybody about.
3: Awesome.
4: So, I think it'd be something that we haven't done at any other show. So, you like that? You going to tell me? Uh, i'll tell you but you'll forget by then oh i'm gonna tell you two or three times by then (laughs) that's true (laughs) but it's gonna be fun so we can't wait to do that with that being said and and you know i I, you guys may not even know this there is a paranormal international paranormal museum in somerset which is like an hour from here so if you come up for this show you can actually do that too that's pretty cool Mm
3: -hmm.
4: so we've only got a handful of shows left after those, those two right there in August, we've got uh, Shane Waters in September up in Indianapolis again. Mm-hmm. We've got the Mothman Show in October. We've got New York and Philadelphia in October, and that's pretty much it.
3: Yeah, and then it'll be holiday up in her.
4: So Tracy, would you like to read the iTunes reviews, please?
3: I sure will.
4: And then we'll listen to David Race.
3: All right, guys. Um, our iTunes reviews is Angels Titus. I, think, I hope I said that right, honey. Miss JJ, Cornbread 80. I love me some cornbread, some good old fried cornbread. Mm. I wish I had some right now, actually. Brandon P., Spanky's wife, King Kong 573.05, Judith M., Faces Like Waves, and Agent Sinner, which we met him yeah. at the last show, I believe.
4: Mm-hmm. Raymond.
3: Yep. Great, great beard.
4: He does have a great beard. It's
3: like flowing and so lovely. And he's a cool dude.
4: And let me say this. This, There's one that's not on there because it disappeared. Oh, yeah. And this one's funny. So this one just said like, OMG, 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 like a thousand times. And it said, I was listening to the latest show, which was The Demon of Brownsville Road. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to the interview with Bob and my phone kept turning off. Yes. And she left that review. I think it was a she. And then all of a sudden, the next time we looked, it's not on there anymore. I know. So not only was was they having problems with the phone shutting off during the interview, now the iTunes review disappeared
3: as well. <laughs> that was cool, though.
4: Yeah. So what we got, Patreon wise?
3: We have Miss Joy and Danielle Freeman. Thank you guys so much for your support. We yep. appreciate you more than you will ever know.
4: That's how we get to upgrade this equipment and stuff.
3: Yes. Thank you guys so much. We are just tickled to death with all our reviews and patreon supporters and i just we just can't thank you guys enough it means the world to us
4: all right so we're going to listen to david race from monstrosity podcast this is a uh about a 45 minute interview but it's loaded with stuff it's got some he talks about his times as a dj and some of the cool stuff and uh this guy was i mean he was an intern on howard stern show and he's been on you know a bunch of the the tv shows and stuff like i said he's he's a top-notch comedian he's pretty funny obviously as you would expect but he he tells us about some of his guests he shares some of his guest experiences um you know when they came on the show some of the stuff that they told him and then he also has a surprise at the very end he has a guest that a lot of you guys will know Mm -hmm. and probably love that he didn't tell anybody not even on his show none of his listeners know he reveals it on here first oh cool that's pretty cool so stick through to the end because he also has a story that ties right in to what we're doing tonight. And then right after that, we'll go right into Amanda's take the very first edition of that. And I think you guys are going to really like that too. Okay. You guys are always saying, Hey, you're an ex comedian. How come you never bring comedians on the show? Well, this is the one you've been waiting for because we actually have a comedian. We got a comedian producer and TV host, David race. You've probably seen David on Howard Stern show, Jimmy Kimmel live. You know, some of you may have even heard his uh, podcast that he did that was comedians talking about Bigfoot. Pretty awesome. But now he's got his newest venture, which is Monstrosity with David Race. David, thanks for coming on.
0: Hey, how you doing?
4: I, I couldn't be happier, man. So you, you're out yeah, in yeah. in L.A., correct?
0: Yes. Yep, Los Angeles. Golden so, on fire, Los Angeles.
4: <laughs> yeah, that, it seems like that's the case anymore. Yes. <laughs> So you, you started off being a DJ for what, about 10 years or something. Tell me a little bit of how that plays into you coming into a comedian and doing some of these other podcasts and stuff.
0: Oh, it has a lot to do with it. You know, I was this jockey, like you said, in New York and Philadelphia a long time ago. And after my radio thing kind of Petered out, I you know, petered out meaning by my own hand. I don't mean they they walked me out of the business. I mean I just sort of stopped being interested <laughs> in radio. I I I evolved into stand up, sort of organically. I, I think you know, as a kid, I had probably fantasies of doing stand up, and Letterman was probably my idol growing up. And but I you know, like most people, and you you would know this from doing stand up too. You know, it's it's a hard leap to take to leap into that pool. It's scary, the stage fright, all that kind of stuff, and. What happened with radio, I think, is um, in radio, you, you do a lot of public appearances, like silly ones, like supermarkets and car dealerships and <laughs> bringing rock bands on stage. It, it might be a big – that's a big one, actually. You, we all covet those in radio. We love when we get to bring a rock band on stage. So particularly that last one, the rock bands on stage thing, really started getting me more comfortable with the idea of standing in front of a live audience with a mic in hand You know, in – Basically, the configuration of stand-up. If you're if you're bringing a rock group on stage for thirty seconds with some announcements in a in a, in a theater of twelve hundred people, fifteen hundred people, you're getting a pretty good taste of what standing in front of a live audience with a mic in hand would feel like. You know, one of my problems in radio was, was I found radio very limiting for in terms of my comedic personality. I was the real class clown in school, always in trouble with that stuff, and I found radio very limiting. Radio was you know, a lot of bosses telling you shut up and get back to the records. You know, stop, stop with the personality. No one needs to hear any personality. Just, just say here's the Rolling Stones and play the record. You know, so you're always being kind of beaten down and told to you know get back to introducing records and giving away tickets and stuff. And as the, my radio career evolved, and I was doing more of those in person concert you know appearances and things, you know, things like I was just talking about, I got more and more comfortable with the idea that I can actually possibly do stand-up that actually could take jokes on stage and and do that and i started experimenting with it in in those radio club appearances and those radio rock band appearances i started experimenting with like working jokes into what i was doing and i'd already been experimenting with that on the air for years uh, you know on the regular radio shows that i was doing for years working a lot of written humor into what i was doing in fact this i don't know why but this is the thing that always sticks out for me i used to have little recorded drop-in intros on my radio show now this remember this is a rock radio station you're playing 10 records an hour you're really supposed to just be kind of you know not that important to the mix it should be 10 you know led zeppelin records and rolling stones records and every so often some guy who says i'm david race and this is w blah 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 you know and i just insist that i'm working my personality into it heavily and i remember one of my favorite drop-ins was I I had a guy, a voiceover guy record this to me. I wrote it, but I had him record a voiceover that I would drop in at the start of every show. The host of this program has been training for years in the hopes of becoming the host of a different program. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, you know, that was I was just working that kind of stuff into a 12-records-an-hour rock radio show. Anyway, yes, so so I gave you a very long answer, but the wind-up is that, yes, Radio had a lot to do with my evolution to stand up. And then the podcast, this is a really long answer. Jesus, we, we have to cut this answer by half. <laughs> the, the evolution to podcasting was, you know, when I was out here doing stand up, every comedian, you know, started having a podcast. And I, I resisted it for a long time. And I started, I, I just, it seemed silly to me to do a podcast. I it just seemed like I'd already done radio for a million years. I the podcast. What was that? Like it just, five, six years ago, it just didn't seem logical to me. But at some point, around that time, maybe 2014, 15, I just got this idea that, wait a minute, what if I do the podcast in the construct of comedians talking about Bigfoot? I'm really obsessively into Bigfoot. I would, at that point, I had already had my own incident upstate New York. I'd been deep into, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of books on Bigfoot. I'd been reading. That's the kind of stuff I'd lay on the beach reading, you know, and I was watching obsessively anything with the word Bigfoot in it on television. If it had Sasquatch or Bigfoot in it in a direct TV search, I was watching it. So I was I was like, what You know, what if I just talk passionately about this topic that I'm really into with comedians and with somebody from one of the paranormal shows? You know, Bobo from Finding Bigfoot was on that show, that old podcast of mine. And, you know, that, that sort of person would be on the phone with us. And that show took off and it, it got me a TV pilot. Pretty quickly, like in a few episodes. And then uh, I walked away from podcasting altogether until recently when I just decided to sort of reform the podcast, very similar to the old one. I'll call it monstrosity with David Race. But, you know, the primary difference is being that instead of just Bigfoot, we go into all the zones of paranormal stuff. And instead of just comedians as the guests, we, you know, we, we'll, we go for general celebrities maybe with a comic also in the room and me as opposed to where the guests on the old show were only comedians straight out. No, there was no one from the movies or rock music world or TV world. It was just comedians. This, this show has had, like celebrities on it.
4: It's a very fun show. Uh, you know, we were talking a little bit off the air. I really enjoy it. You started this thing back, I think last, last August. So it hadn't even been out for a complete year yet, but the shows you have, I mean, they're, they're just, straight up fantastic and you get some awesome guests i mean you've had lonnie anderson on you've had christopher knight on who's peter brady who don't know peter brady and on the last yeah, episode cool. you had robert carradine which is lewis from revenge of the nerds i mean i feel like that all these these tv shows that i grew up with in these movies you're bringing on people that are like oh man this is right in my
0: wheelhouse yeah uh that's totally what i'm going for i mean people people ask me sometimes you know why aren't you having you know more sort of current celebrities on you know somebody who's on like the hottest show right now and i we could work some of those people and i'm not going to say that some of those people won't appear but i like to have some kind of a an emotional connection to what i'm talking about whether it's Bigfoot or UFOs, and you and I would both understand that we both have an emotional interest in that topic, and we can speak about it with passion. Um, so that works. And then, as far as who's in the room with us as, as guests, I mean, I'm I'm not 24 years old. I don't, you know, I don't have like a super awareness of, you know, some chick from the, you know, some show that right. on, on that I don't watch. You know, so I don't I don't really have like a like a point of view about. Uh, you know some of the people that they that you know, I could theoretically be talking to on the show. So when when Peter Brady comes in, or you know Robert Carradine, I I have a very strong point of view about it. Like like you were just saying, you know, we grew up watching Revenge of the Nerds. And we, you know, it was on HBO ten thousand times an hour back when I was a kid. And Lonnie Anderson, who you know who didn't know who Lonnie Anderson was, I mean, she was one of the most she was one of the most famous people in the country in the 80s So you know, I have a really strong point of view about those people and. That's more fun to me, to have someone in the room that I really can you – know, I really understand who I'm talking to.
4: And you've got some stories from some of these celebrities that have been on that, like you said, you didn't even expect or require them to have paranormal stories, but some of them do. But before we get to that, everybody knows I'm a huge music fan. We've done uh, some Rock and Roll in the Occult uh, episodes on here, which are some of the, the fan favorites. You go back to your DJ days for me. Who was your favorite out of everybody you got to go on stage and, and bring up who was your favorites uh, of the days?
0: In in, ter- in terms of the, in the, in the world of who I brought up on stage or just in terms of my musical taste? No, until, that's, and
4: that's who you got an to introduce up on stage and actually get to meet.
0: Oh, yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't all that many. I mean, I actually can count on one hand, probably how many rock groups I brought on stage and, you know, what you call a true bring on in radio is when, you remember the album? For, I'm really going to date myself here, but who cares? Remember the album Frampton Comes Alive"? The Absolutely. Peter Frampton album, you know, okay, that's a true bring on. You know, that guy, the guy you hear at the top of that with the whole, um, you know, ladies gentlemen, uh, good evening uh, the, from San Francisco. Here's Peter Frampton. You know, whatever the heck he says, he says something short. You know, Peter Frampton. You know, that's in radio. That's referred. to as a true bring on. You, you're coming. You're coming on stage. You know, I'm I'm Mike Jones from K. Blah 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 blah. You know, uh, you're gonna have a great night, people. Here, you know, here there are the Rolling Stones. That's a true bring on, and I can count on f- probably one hand how many true bring ons I did. I even remember who most of the groups were, so it's hard for me to say favorite, uh, but I'll, but I can tell you off the top of my head a, a couple that I remember w- remember well, like that I know I brought these groups on. I brought Blues Traveler on stage in New York. Nice. And I remember starting to play around with the microphone too long, you know, it, again, back to the, what the notion of a true bring on is a true bring on is really supposed to be, you know, that that the thing you hear in the kiss, album, you wanted the best. You got right. the best kiss. Like it, It's just the band is not waiting for you. It's time for them to go on. You know, they're standing there jumping at the bit, waiting to go, you know, and, and you're not supposed to mess around in a situation like that. I was messing around a lot, a lot longer <laughs> than you're supposed to. <laughs> and i remember john popper who's a very big guy i think he's lost a ton of weight i haven't seen him you know like in the public eye in a long time but i feel like you know maybe i've seen some pictures of him in the last few years or yeah. read about him that i think he he may be a guy that had lap band surgeries these guys lost a lot of weight
4: yeah he lost a lot of weight that's right? for sure
0: so at the time though this is when blues travel were the new hot thing this is when you know the height of those hit records they're having and john popper's a Big guy, big tall guy, and he was a big, you know, big tall, heavy set guy. He was a gigantic guy, like a haystacks Calhoun kind of character. You know? And and I remember uh, messing around too long. And but he had a good sense of humor about it. I remember he came on stage and just kind of gave me like a like a like a handgun you know signal like 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 pointing like shooting at me like like like, like all right pal like, like, like with a smile on his face like like, like you like you're like you're something else pal like he gave me a high five or something as I walked <laughs> by because I probably had the band standing there for ninety seconds in what should have been fifteen seconds. And another example of that that maybe was a it was not quite as smooth as I remember bringing the band on, as in the band, like, you know, the classic group, the band of Woodstock, the yeah, band. You Rob, know? where Robbie uh, Right. And uh, Robbie was no longer in the group at that point. He was the guy missing. But this, this, so this is way after Robbie's long gone from the band. But everyone else is there. LeVon Helm, Rick Danko, Garth Hudson. Richard Manuel was already, he already committed suicide. So Richard Manuel was not. The group at this point but but you have definitely rick danko garth hudson and levon Helm are in are in the configuration of the band at that point i brought them on in about a ten thousand seat or somewhere and um that's another one where i really remember doing a lot of shtick i remember doing a lot too much on the mic like i couldn't believe how much i was doing <laughs> and i remember seeing them Out of the corner of my eye, kind of standing there side stage, and Levon Helm with the drumsticks in hand, like kind of twirling the sticks, like Jesus, what this guy? I can't believe this guy, you know. And 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 when they came when they came on stage, I just remember me walking off as they're walking, they're running on to you know the roars of the crowd, and I just remember Levon Helm giving me the evil eye as he's walking to the, as he's slowly walking to his drum set, just kind of staring me down, like I can't believe what I just saw. and i remember very clearly that was in an arena and i when i got to the side of the stage they had a big tall giant guy that was a manager road manager and when i got to the side of the stage i remember seeing him about 50 feet away kind of walking through a crowd of you know five or ten people trying to get towards me and i just took off running and i ran the entire <laughs> backstage i ran the entire backstage you know u-shaped you know backstage area i ran the whole loop Hit an exit, like an emergency exit door, and ran to my car and sped out of
4: the <laughs> You know, it's funny because I don't think I, I had escaped. ever seen that happen before until a Memorial Day weekend. We saw the grassroots, and the gentleman that brought them up was a local radio host. And he went on forever. And I kept, I remember sitting there thinking, man, how long is this introduction going to be? But I, I don't think I'd ever experienced that until then. So it's funny that you brought that up.
0: But I would bet, if you think hard about it, and you'll realize I, I bet I'm right, I would – the only exception might be if you tell me he was the morning show guy or something. It may be, Maybe there will be an exception to this, but I would assume that if you think about it, what he was taking a lot of time doing was stuff that probably seemed assigned to him. Like, hey, make these announcements. Make sure you say this. Make sure you say that. Make sure you remind them that uh, – there's no, uh, you know, no heroin use in the front row and you know, like, <laughs> make sure you, uh, make sure you this and do that he, he, you know, there's a good chance that he was basically doing things he was assigned to do. And it just was a heck of a lot of stuff. What I was up there doing was a little bit of what I was assigned to do, or maybe all of what I was assigned to do, but also actually working in jokes, <laughs> um, you know, when I'm supposed to be doing, doing a true bring on, um, you know, if you if the the alternate question when you asked me this question about the radio days, you know, I, I thought for a minute you meant who who were my favorite artists. You know, not not who were my favorite people that you know my favorite stories from the brain ons, but actually who what bands did I like? And the answer to that, and I I, I used to be afraid to answer this way because it's such a not cool answer. People don't think it's a cool answer, but I don't care anymore about cool. Now I just answer the, the correct way what I know I really think. My favorite band is and always has been. And don't get the wrong idea because I don't mean the poppiest side of them that you'll think of when I say it, or the poppiest side of the main lead singer you'll think of when I say it. Think about the whole of this group. Early 70s with the original singer, mid-70s when they hadn't gone poppy yet. So I'm talking about the whole totality of the group about the name. My favorite group is and always has been Genesis.
4: We'll hear the rest of David's interview right after a word from our sponsor. Hey, guys, I want to take just a quick break to tell you about tonight's sponsor, which is Wix. Obviously, that's who we use when we do our website. And... Other people are starting to use it as well that have, have listened to it on here and they're very happy with it. You've heard our intro song by Tragic Times. Our good buddy Mike Solzer, he actually just signed up. He sent me a message today and said he just signed up and got his. We've heard from uh, Angela that was one of our uh, psychic artists on. She's already started to use it. And I know uh, Amanda, who you will hear a little later in the show, she's already started to to use it as well. So, Everybody can't be wrong about this thing. They're all loving it. Nothing but great things to say about it. And why not? I think 140 other million people use it, and you've got 500 different templates they could do, or you could just design your own. You don't have to use one of the templates, but it sure does make it easy if you don't have a lot of experience. So you've got video backgrounds, galleries, menus, forms. You can do uh, all kinds of uh, techie-type stuff, voice recognition capabilities. You can have chat box. I love those chatbot things, like when you go to a website and then it's like, hey, if you want to chat with somebody, because I'd almost always do that. So you got that option with this. So here's what you want to do. I want to get you started here and get you a 10% discount. Get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com slash podcast to get 10% off. Remember, do not put in Hillbilly or Horror Stories or any of that. Just put podcast. That's all you need to do. And they'll take care of the rest and get you started with a stunning website. You know, I saw a picture and, with you with Phil Collins on your Instagram. So yeah, that was must yeah, have been that, a big thrill for you.
0: Yeah, that was actually the that was actually the second time I met him. That picture. Um, I'd met him like years before that, but but I guess that picture was laying around in my phone or something, and I posted it. But the, yeah, I actually met him before that was ever taken. That, but that's during my radio days. That picture you're talking about. That's that's uh, that's in Philadelphia. That's when I was discharging uh, in Philadelphia. That picture was taken. It was during one of his solo tours which I'm not, I'm not as big on Phil as this whole artist. but he's okay. Some of it, you know, but, but, you know, I was at the show just because I was able to be, and, but Genesis is my favorite. And one thing I'll say about, you know, Phil as a front man is he's extraordinarily funny. He's a really funny person. And I have so many memories from my teenage years seeing Genesis where he specifically said things that stuck out in my mind as really funny lines, and so this is going to sound nuts, but he was actually a comedic influence on me. Phil Conn, nice. And later on, when I was doing those bring ons, I borrowed some of his jokes because <laughs> I hadn't written I hadn't yeah. written stand up yet. So I, I borrowed some of the sort of things he would say to a crowd and used them in those 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 bring on situations. I kind of borrowed elements of what he was doing, like what. One that comes to mind I remember really well of his – not mine, but a specific mind of his was uh, somewhere in the early 80s. I saw Genesis at Madison Square Garden in New York, and he – midway through the show, he says to the crowd, he says, you know, people always ask us when we go out on tour, why do you play here? Why do you play here in New York every single time? Why do you never skip New York? And he goes, and you know why? He goes, I'll tell you why. He goes, um, every time we're about to go on tour, he goes, Mike, Tony, and I sit down, and we look at maps – we look at maps of the whole world. We look at everything. He goes, we look at the whole of the world. And he goes, and we think about where should we go? What should we do? Where should we play? And he goes, and you know what we discovered before this tour? He goes, and he goes and we we should have done it earlier, but you know what we discovered before this tour? He goes, the reason we never skipped New York is because we realized before this tour that New York is the center of the universe. And, of course, he got 20,000 people in Asbury square going, going nuts with that statement. Okay, and as the crowd applause dies down, he goes. And at this time on Monday, I'll be saying the same bullshit to Montreal. <laughs> perfect, <laughs>
4: perfect. <laughs> you know, we um, we're big Beatles fans here, huge Beatles fans, and and 1964. We all the, the, oh, yeah, but you, you know, Beatles get a lot of hate. I see so much stuff on Facebook. No, oh, they're overrated. Not, not, and just,
0: not, not by anybody who knows what they're talking about. Right. But, but go
4: on. So we, uh, you know, we're sitting there and, and we go see 1964, the tribute, every chance we can. They're just by far the best to me as far as that. Those guys are absolutely hilarious. They put on such a great comedic show as well as. Right. You know the 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 show itself. It's just all around. It's just perfect. So I mean, yeah, I, I love when when you can get a little bit of comedy uh, mixed in with the actual music as well.
0: Right, and I never, you know, how many years ago? That's that's thirty years ago, probably. That Phil Collins joke. I've never forgotten that line. I I was able to remember that line exactly as he told me that night. He's had he's had a lot of those lines over the years in the, in the many Genesis concerts I've seen. He's had a lot of those lines
4: awesome so just let's jump back to the podcast monstrosity yeah. tell yeah. me what has stuck out so far in doing it some of the stories some of the celebrities what's been the best part so far
0: uh i think i i mean i had a feeling what happened like i don't know this is a mixed answer i i, I think i've been surprised at how um the celebrities are coming forward and doing the show left and right you know we have a a backlog of celebrity requests at this point. You'd be stunned if I told you some of the people that, you know, are in the potential lineup here coming. So I think I've been, I guess the the most pleasant surprise is how the celebrity thing has come together. I, I, I was a little concerned at the start of the podcast that it could be tricky to get them coming in. I mean, I'm in LA and I know people and I, and you know, I've been around here enough that I know knew some people you know, that I could potentially contact to come in. But, um, I'd say for the most part, can't think immediately offhand of giant exceptions, maybe slight exceptions. But for the most part, you know, your Lonnie andersons these people that you're talking about that have come on the show. I did not know until they were there. So I like it's kind of shocking to me that Lonnie Anderson was there. It's kind of shocking to me that Peter Brady was there. It's kind of shocking to me that Carradine was there. You know, they but it's great. I think that they should be there. It's a good show. And I'm happy they're coming. And I think they're right to be coming. But I think, uh, you know, that's been the most pleasant surprise that that's going nicely, that part of it.
4: So you said you've got some stories that some of them brought that you're willing to share?
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked about, you know, each of these stories uh, that I'm about to tell you are things that are on the podcast. So in the episode, with the respect of celebrity, it's discussed. I think what I, you know, what what surprised me, the other piece of this whole, the the other piece of the answer to your last question is that I've been surprised at how they each, for the most part, have had a paranormal incident or two or three. Um, Not a requirement. When we book the show, we don't ever make that a requirement. We, how could we? If I made that a requirement, how limited would, would our our guest list be? You know, um, and even if I, even if I, even if it was less limited than I think, you don't know what celebrities are willing to come in and actually admit that they saw a UFO or whatever they might be afraid to admit. You know, so we've never made that requirement. It, you know, the uh, a celebrity is a celebrity. They can come in, they can have no interest in the topic, but as long as they want to come in and talk, we'll have them around. And yet they keep surprising me with their own paranormal story. And every episode for the most part, it's happened uh, on episode four. Just look at my notes here. Was, I jotted down some notes. I so wouldn't forget these on episode four. We had Steve Heitner who played Kenny Banya on Seinfeld.
4: Oh yeah. <laughs> and,
0: and he you know it was brief but he out of nowhere came forward with that his sister was always having ghost sightings as a kid growing up and he was always you know he was in, he appeared to be growing up in a haunted house and uh you know with with, with his, his sister having all kinds of incidents with ghosts and he, he just he brought that up at some point during the show unexpectedly i didn't see that coming it wasn't at all in the pre interview i didn't know that he was going to have anything like that obviously lydia cornell from too close for comfort the blonde girl from too close yeah. for comfort from the 80s she had in passing, she mentioned that she had a Bigfoot incident, which I completely forgot to come back to in the episode. And she said it in passing. And I it was at the height of some other thing we were about to go on to. Maybe the phone call, paranormal guy. You know, we always have a paranormal expert on the phone. So it's not just a celebrity show. It's Lonnie Anderson and we'll, you know, we'll put a finding Bigfoot guy on the phone with her. You know, that's the mix. The mix is a celebrity and, you know, a guy from Ghost Hunters or whatever on the show. I think maybe we're about to get to that next element. Maybe we're about to go to the phone or something. So there was some kind of a rush on where I didn't feel like I could double back and stay on her Bigfoot thing. And I said to her on the episode, hold on, hold on. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. And I never did. I forgot to get back to it. That's episode five. Now, later on in the episode, she happens to reveal what the full details of what sounds to me like she had an alien abduction incident of her own I mean as a child she talks about growing up in texas and how she uh, she you know seemed to have vanished from like a sleepover party or something with her her you know childhood girlfriends uh, and was found in a yard like 3 blocks away in her pajamas you know hours later wow. and she doesn't know how she got there it had all the earmarks of an alien abduction story. And, you know, this is Lydia Cornell, two close for comfort with an alien abduction story, uh, completely unexpectedly. Episode six, the Peter Brady episode. He didn't have specifically any paranormal stories that I remember, but I do recall that, that we had um, a Loch Ness monster expert on his episode. We had a guy from the UK on the phone. And I just remember that, uh, Christopher Knight, Peter Brady was, was, he was ex- extremely kind of knowledgeable and sciencey in his questions and had like, uh, he seemed to really genuinely be interested in discussing Loch Ness Monster in a, in a serious manner. It just was, it caught me off guard. It was unexpected. It also actually is, it's a really funny interview. The interview takes a lot of funny turns. Uh, usually the paranormal interview segment is not necessarily where I'm going for the highest level comedy parts of the show. I'm, you know, uh, that's where I'm trying to, you know, kind of cover the paranormal terrain and yet that particular that particular interview with the Loch Ness Monster Guy and Peter Brady just went off the wall it just could it just took all kinds of hooks and turns it was out of control it was it was it was hard to button the laughter down in the room on that one Lonnie Anderson had a great ghost story she talked about that she was playing Jane Mansfield in the Jane Mansfield story it was being filmed at Jane Mansfield old Jane Mansfield's old house it was actually, you know, being filmed in Mansfield's real house. And Lonnie Anderson took a shower during the filming. She, she had filmed a pool scene Arnold Schwarzenegger is the co-star. And she had filmed a pool scene with Arnold at Jane Mansfield's, Mansfield's real pool. And then she went into the house to take a shower or something. She knows there was no one else in the house. She shut the door, you know, locked it. She saw a very profound and obvious shadow figure come through the bathroom and I don't know why but she was convinced it was Jane Mansfield herself she told me that Engelbert Humperdinck owned the house at the time and that he said that he regularly smelled Jane Mansfield's perfume all over the house so that house seemed to have a real tie to Jane Mansfield and and Lonnie is pretty sure that Jane visited her in the shower which is really the right place to visit Lonnie Oh, sure, absolutely Uh, (laughs) Yeah, i mean no matter no matter who you are whether you're alive or not that that is the place to be the one episode nine robert carradine he came out of nowhere with a like a like a mentalist kind of, i don't know if that's the right word maybe you'll correct this one i he ha, he seemed to have like um like an amazing Creskin type of ability to bend spoons and stuff with his mind
4: yeah i would say and mentalist
0: he, he talked yeah, he talked about he, he, it wasn't but it wasn't as deliberate as Creskin. Creskin was would sit on television and, you know, say, I'm gonna bend this spoon and he would you know, he bend the spoon. Carradine it, it seemed to be that he doesn't know he had this ability. He, he he was at a restaurant or something and he he got exceedingly angry at some story somebody had just told him. He got he said just you know, crazed angry at something someone had just told him about. And was staring at the glass of water or something on the table with this rage about whatever the incident he had just heard about was. And the glass shattered into a million pieces.
4: They should put that in the next movie, the next Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> yeah,
0: they should. That would that would actually be a good nerd skill. Each of these things have has happened on the show with no prior warning. I, I, I never make it a condition that the celebrity has to come in with their paranormal story or they've got to you know, have some angle on that, or even, or even really an interest or point of view about it. I just, I'm perfectly comfortable with, you know, if Peter Brady, actually he's not a great example because he didn't have a paranormal story, but if Lonnie Anderson, who did have a great one, if she happened to have come and been on the show and she had no paranormal points of view whatsoever, no incidents whatsoever, she just wanted to be on the show, that was fine with me. They just keep happening to have these kind of news-making stories. The Lonnie Anderson thing. Got some international press. So sort did of the Lydia Cornell thing.
4: What about yourself? What what got you into the paranormal? Was it just strictly Bigfoot and it advanced from there? Or did you have a, a big interest
0: before that? Uh, it definitely goes back to childhood. I mean, in the you know, as a little kid, I used to watch, we probably all did, it, of a certain age. I used to watch Leonard Nimoy's In Search of all the time and love that show. It was probably the first thing I was watching all the time that was in this, in this zone. That show used to terrify me, but I couldn't stop watching it. So, so I had, a, you know, I had an interest from childhood, and then, you know, in, in continuing to have that interest later on. In 2007, I was upstate New York at a house my father owned upstate, like a vacation house my father owned, and it's in a 55 acre property way up at the top of a mountain in the middle of the woods. This house was like in, in a clearing on a plateau at the top of a mountain. There's, there's no neighbors for for a mile in any direction. You know, and you have to go downhill a couple thousand feet probably to get to a neighbor uh, through the, you know, down, it's, there's no neighbors. Just picture right. what I'm talking about. <laughs> OK, so it was a log cabin house. And I was up there, my wife and me and my father and his wife uh, in 2007. Strangely, this had to do with a, with a Genesis concert. That's what I, that's why I was on the East Coast. It was during the last Genesis tour. And I was on the East Coast. I would seen Genesis. I was tied to Genesis and I'd seen Genesis in New York earlier that week or a few days earlier or whatever. So now I'm upstate and th- this house at the time, I didn't know this. I only know years later from having researched that this is where the location is, but I can tell you having researched this, that this house was, is like 30 minutes from Whitehall, New York. I mean, this is right in that area, same County, Washington County, New York. And at, at that time in 2007, I knew nothing of the Whitehall monster. I knew nothing about that area being a big foot, area did not know any of that just i knew a, a little bit a, a little bit more than a little bit about bigfoot in general probably mainly associated bigfoot with the pacific northwest certainly when the thought bigfoot incidents upstate new york are possible and definitely didn't know that i'm sitting in the county at that moment that's the county of bigfoot incidents in new york did not know any of that at the time it, it, it's a it's a long story but the shortest version i can come up with is that just through the course of the night my wife was feeling like something's watching us. She were, we were standing on the balcony of the house, you know, um, just kind of with a telescope, looking up at the stars and things. And a few times, I left her out there alone. And I went back into the house to grab a snack or whatever I was doing, and I just remember seeing her look spooked out there and come running in. And she's not usually like that. I remember her come running, her, her coming and running in, and just saying There's something weird out there. Actually, like something's watching me. And she doesn't; these aren't. That's not really in her repertoire. That kind of stuff. And I didn't think much of it just you know whatever it's a creepy dark woods at night i mean that, that seemed like a sort of normal statement to me so I, I didn't think much of it and then fast forward to three o'clock in the morning or whatever in the middle of the night we're sound asleep in this this house and there's nothing nothing possible else with us in the woods there except for deer and rabbits and things and there's nothing else that can be there when at about three o'clock in the morning something banged on the wall Next to our heads, from outside the cabin, right, right next to, our, next to the window where you know where our heads would be, where the, where the bed was, something banged on the wall. One hard thud. I'm talking about a thud like a freight train hit the house. I'm talking about like a like an Amtrak train just came through the woods and hit the house. We were sound asleep. This is in the pitch dark, sound asleep, you know, dead middle of the night, three thirty in the morning, three in the morning, whatever. And we just both kind of jumped up. Looked at each other, you know, waking, you know, woken out of a complete absolute sleep and just went, what the hell was that? You know, and just, I don't know, I just put our heads back down. Didn't peek out the blinds, didn't do any of that. Now, someone listening to this might be thinking right now that how convenient he didn't peek out the blinds that were right next to him, or, you know, how couldn't he have peeked out the blinds? Let me say to that person um, listen to a few episodes of my podcast and you'll know that the last person on earth who would have wanted to peek out the blinds if I had intellectually understood that day what I now believe that was I would still be unconscious in that room right now having fainted and still not awoken I am not the guy to have peeked out the wood uh, the blinds and been face to face with the Bigfoot that that I am I hunt for Bigfoot from the indoor I am not the, the le- I'm not I'm not I'm not you know, I'm not a get my hands dirty Bigfoot Hunter so that would have been terrifying to me. And I'm to this day, I'm thankful that I did not touch those blinds because I now believe strongly that there was something standing right there. Um, this, this spot that the, the thing, the Bigfoot, or would have hit where, you know, where that hit came from would have been at least 10 feet high. So it would have been it reaching its hand over its head and bam, you know, that's the kind of height you're talking about. Um, and this was a sturdy log cabin, you know, really well built in the mid eighties that for it to make this kind of noise, like, like a, like a, like a 20 foot meter, I just hit the thing. It, it was unreal. I did go through like a two hour multi-part interview with the BFRO about it. Cause I ended up reporting the incident after I, you know, maybe six months later or something really gotten more into the Bigfoot topic by coincidence. I, that's when I learned about Whitehall and washington county new york and realized that's where i was and that caused me to report it to the bfro and i i did a um a multi-part interview with a bfro investigator like a two-parter and they did they did rate it as whatever i forget how their classifications work but they his his conclusion from you know an unbelievably detailed analysis interviewing me i couldn't believe some of the questions they asked me but his conclusion was that yes that was more than likely a big put that
4: hit that wall you, you you mentioned coincidence and and i've got one for you now before we had you scheduled to come on i recorded an uh an interview with a young lady she's she's not a comedian she should be she she rambles i i, I put her to akin to ellen DeGeneres' old stand-up where one thing leads to another to another and you end up so far away from where you started That's the way she is. So I decided I wanted to do a little thing where I would read her a paranormal story. Of course, I gave it to her ahead of time to see and just get her take on it because I knew it would be funny. And the story we chose to do was on the Bigfoot calling contest in Whitehall that was covered by ESPN just recently. I had never heard of the Whitehall monster. or I don't, or,
0: I, I don't even, by the way, I don't, I don't even know about that ESPN coverage. I, that fascinates me. I forgot, yeah, this, this was on.
4: like a month ago. And so we've got that scheduled to air tonight, just as you're talking about an incident in Whitehall. And I had never heard of any Bigfoot activity in Whitehall until that story. And now we've got two stories on the same night, coincidentally.
0: Right now. see you know, what happened is about six, maybe six months. I, I mean, it's hard for me to remember because it's 2007. But, you know, at some point after that incident, I'm back in Los Angeles and I'm watching, you know, Finding Bigfoot or whatever. I'm watching obsessively at that time when I start learning about the Whitehall monster. You know, I'm watching Monster Quest or Finding Bigfoot, one of those kind of shows. And I start learning about the Whitehall's, Whitehall monster. And it causes me to look online and see where Whitehall is exactly. And then I discover Whitehall's in Washington County. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I was in Washington County. That's where that was. And, you know, and I'm seeing interviews with this guy who wrote a, a couple of books about the Whitehall monster. I'm just becoming, you know, really aware that that's a Bigfoot hotbed on the East Coast. And that's exactly where I was when this happened. You know, I, you know, somewhere, you know, let, let's say this is six months after the incident. I, at this point, I'm. I'm way more into Bigfoot than I even was before that. I'm I'm learning that the area I was in is a Bigfoot hotbed, and I'm realizing putting two and two and two together and realizing two and two equals four. Like the, 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 there was a, there was a Bigfoot incident that night. That's what that was, and and so I go report it to the BFRO, and they I couldn't believe the grilling I got. I mean, it was like it probably at least two hours worth of phone call time I spent with them really asking me a lot of questions, calling me up with follow-ups and email follow-ups. And they, those guys don't mess around. They want to make sure that you're not scamming them and they want to make sure they really understand every little thing about the incident. They asked me about, you know, questions about my wife that were very intimate, but, but that they felt were relevant. You know, was the window opened? Yes, it was, you know, the screen, you know, the window was open a little so that it was a screen, but like something could potentially know there's some, something in the window in the room by scent, like things like that. You can imagine where I'm going with these questions, but, you, right. these, but these were the sort of things they're asking me, you know, and they're, and they're they're It was unbelievable. You know, since then, you know, now years later, I know Matt Moneymaker reasonably well. He's been on monstrosity. He's on episode three of monstrosity. And I told him this whole story and he looked it up in their, in their database and looked up the interview with me and looked at all the notes. And he's personally told me that he, he, he's positive. I had a big
4: I know that had to freak you out because it sure, sure sure as heck would have me.
0: Yeah, I mean, but I'm telling you now, I'd have been a hell of a lot more freaked out if I had peeked out those blinds. If I had just just moved two feet, you know, and, and peeked out those blinds, blinds to see what's going on, I'd have been face to face probably with a male Bigfoot. And I'm telling you, I'd still be unconscious right now.
4: Yeah, I, I don't think I would want to uh, uh, <laughs> come
0: up with anything like that. <laughs> That's not my cup yeah, of tea. So, it's fascinating that the way the whole circle closes, because it's it's how many years later, this is 2019. So Matt Moneymaker's on episode three of Monstrosity, which was recorded probably six months ago or something. And, you know, he and I have now personally talked about the incident. He's looked in their notes, in their database. He's looked at the whole interview notes with me. He knows what investigator talked to me. He, he read everything I said long before I ever knew Matt. You know, he's he's reading, you know he's reading up on things I said many years ago in a phone call and he's rating. This is the real thing.
4: You know, I've, I've never been a huge Bigfoot fan. I, I believe in Bigfoot. I think they exist. It's just never really fascinated me, but we got an opportunity uh, back in May. We did a live event with Bob Gimlin and, I've, mm-hmm. I've had a renewed interest after meeting Bob. He was such a fascinating guy. And hearing the stories, there was a lot of people that night that had personal encounters of what they felt like was a possible encounter. And, and I've had a renewed interest. I'm not going to lie. I've been looking up a little more stuff and searching for more stories than I ever had before.
0: Yeah, I think, I don't remember what it's called, but the, the original book that Patterson wrote, of Patterson Gimlin, I think was is probably my favorite. of all the, I've read so many different books. Bigfoot books and Bigfoot accounts and Bigfoot studies and stuff. And I think that that's my favorite one. There's something I like about, you know, obviously it's the most historical incident, but there's something, I, it's like, there's a folksiness or something to that book that I like.
4: Yeah. I hadn't had a chance to read it yet, but it's definitely on my list now. I'm not a huge reader. My, my listeners know that <laughs> I might
0: get the book yeah, on no, tape. It, it, <laughs> let me tell you something. One of the, one of the, one of the, you know, guaranteed ways to get really strange looks on your vacation is to show up on a beach in Cancun or something with a, you know, with a couple of Bigfoot books. You're, you're, that, that's what you're deeply reading on the beach in the Caribbean. You'll get the weirdest of looks from people.
4: <laughs> well, if you're in the Dominican Republic, you can just say it's research for what might be happening down there. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, it just, But th- th- I mean, there was a point in time where I was really doing that. Like if I was, go- if I were going on vacation tomorrow, you know, there's a good chance I'd, I you know, I might bring a normal quote unquote normal or normal biography, I should say that you wouldn't expect, you know, I, I'd automatically have a Bigfoot book with me, but there was a period, probably you know, between I don't know, 2008 and and 2014, 15 that I that I was that was almost exclusively the kind of stuff I'd read, and so I'd be in places like that with you know with a stack of Bigfoot or UFO books, and it, it was it was always like uh, you know me kind of hiding the cover as I turned the pages on the beach, you know, with people <laughs> walking by. And I'm afraid of like what they're going to see them reading. You know?
4: David, it's been a blast yeah. having you on. Tell everybody how they can find you on social media, how they can listen to the show. And you've got an announcement to make about a guest on the next show that you said nobody's even yes, uh, your audience, heard yet.
0: Yes, your audience is about to get a sneak peek. on. I haven't even told our audience this stuff. So this hasn't been mentioned on our Twitter, and it won't be. I'm not going to mention on Monstrosity's Twitter or uh, Monstrosity's anything until it comes out. So your audience is going to get an inside Preview right now. The we just recorded what will be the next episode. Episode ten will come out not too far away. And in studio, Daisy Duke, Catherine Bach. Awesome. Who who does Daisy you just Duke? Get, for,
4: you're just icons and icons from my youth.
0: Well, yeah, I select them all right off the posters from my teenage wall. <laughs> that's what it sounds um, like. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's who's in the room, and um, she was great. It's a really great episode. That'll be coming along not too far away. As far as how to find all the things about the show, monstrositypodcast.com has links to Twitter, has links to the Instagram, has links to Facebook, has links to all the episodes. And of course the episodes are available in all the normal places you'd expect to find podcasts and, and pretty much all of the places. And, and then as far as my regular personal social media, that's also available via link on monstrositypodcast.com. But basically, uh, real David Race on Twitter, real David Race on Instagram, can't remember what the hell I'm called on Facebook, but uh, something David Race. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as, as, long as, you're, as long as you're at monstrositypodcast.com, you'll find anything there is to find about me or the show in general.
4: You know, it's funny that you brought up Catherine Bach because we've got a really good friend of the show who runs an attraction down in uh, uh, Gatlinburg. And uh, I won't say the name of the attraction because the place is haunted. It used to be a really old theater in town and now it's an attraction uh but it's just named after a popular mechanic that was on that same show and uh the guy who played that mechanic actually owns the place so it's really cool so he's got a lot of good connections with the uh, Dukes of Hazard uh, uh personnel and and uh, all the guys so yeah it's it's kind of cool man it's uh it's there's these connections are everywhere it's awesome man
0: and by the way she like everybody else had a quick paranormal story they keep shocking me she had she has one but i won't I won't preview that, but just suffice to say, she she did it again. Another another celebrity came in there with a paranormal thing.
4: Can't wait to hear it, brother. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. So how cool would it be to have Peter Brady on the show?
3: <laughs> it would be pork chops and applesauce.
4: <laughs> Great. There was a, you know, some of them Brady Bunch episodes were uh, – some of my favorites were like when they would do like the the ghost or whatever. Remember they had the they thought they had the ghost in the attic or whatever. Oh Alice yeah, was scared. It turns mm-hmm. out it was just yeah like Greg and them playing a prank.
3: Uh huh.
4: And you always had that little background music, <laughs> like that when they went to uh, Hawaii and oh, they yeah. had the curse. Oh yeah, Vincent
3: Price was on a show then, I think. Remember? I can't, or no, wait a minute. Remember. No, well, well, they were in a cave when nah, I know Vincent Price was the scary dude up in there. You're so. thinking of Scooby Doo? No, no, they thought they were coming to rob his. Fortunes that he had collected all these years.
4: Yep, that's Scooby Doo, same no. thing. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> and I'd have done it too if I hadn't been meddling kids. Um, <laughs> so I'll tell you a funny story happened this week. So I was working on the yard, and I had went up and grabbed a bunch of mulch and I grabbed a bunch of plants. And I wore these jeans that day that I needed to wear a belt with, but you know these are my get dirty in the yard jeans. So I'm out wearing them and. They're loosening up all day long. And I'm, you know, I'm just ignoring it. I get out of the van, I walk over to the opposite side and I pull out these plants. So I got a plant in one hand and a plant in the other. I take four steps to our sidewalk and my pants fall completely down to my ankles. <laughs> as soon as I do, I look up and there's about a 14 15-year-old kid, you trauma traumatizing. walking their dog facing me, literally <laughs> 10 feet away. (laughs) And I didn't know what to say. So all I could say was, because I'm holding plants in both hands. And all I could say was, I knew I should have wore that belt today. And he looked at me and he grabbed his dog and then walked away real quick. (laughs) He didn't even (laughs) even let the dog walk. He just picked him up (laughs) and took off walking.
3: Oh, God. Well, thank God you don't wear tidy whities That would have been horrid. Or commando. (laughs) That would have (laughs) been. (laughs) <laughs> you goofball yeah
4: so yeah that was <laughs> i told jessica from shoes booze and tattoos about it and she said the same thing well ho- hope you weren't going commando i'm like if i was going commando i would still be in jail today
3: oh my god
4: they would have arrested me oh 15 year old kid goes back and tells them there's some guy standing with his pants down the ground with mm-hmm. no underwear <laughs>
3: <laughs> yep i'd been belling you out for sure <laughs>
4: All right, so let's listen to this new segment. This isn't something we're going to do every week, but we're going to do it on occasion. Mm-hmm. And we've got some cool cool little paranormal stories. But this is Amanda's take, and I'll just read her story, and I'll just let her ramble, as she does. And as usual, it was pretty funny. So we'll listen to that. And I guess this one should have a little bit of a disclaimer. Uh, she has a little bit of a potty mouth. <laughs> She's not quite brohio-ish. But if you've got the kids in the car, there may be a a couple of uh, flare-ups of language. (laughs) Just to give you the heads up. (laughs) Hey, guys, we're going to try something new tonight. This is uh, a little segment that we've been working on. Uh, We've had uh, Amanda on the show a couple of times. Uh, You guys seem to really like her. And I thought it would be fun to do a segment called Amanda's Take. So I'm going to read to her a... Just, a, I guess, a basic paranormal story that I've found. On, a little on the weird side, a little on the funny side. And then we're just going to get her take on it. So, Amanda, are you ready to do this? Yes, I am. You seemed really excited when I asked you to do this.
2: I was, and I had multiple people at my job, like, and they all laughed. It was, it was, it was we had jokes. It was good.
4: <laughs> awesome. Okay, so here's the story. This is out of Whitehall, New York. It says the third annual Sasquatch Calling Festival on Saturday drew around 200 visitors, including many believers and those who wanted to believe. The festival featured a documentary films and tables manned by experts and authors with books about Sasquatch, also called Bigfoot. There was live music. There was a man dressed as a Sasquatch who posed for pictures (laughs) with those attending the festival. There was fried (laughs) dough and other vendors. And of course the Sasquatch calling competition. This thing has 38 competitors and was held in the small outdoor theater in the village park alongside the canal that runs through the downtown area. A film crew from ESPN was there to film the action. The festival was the brainchild of David Molinar. He's 66 years old. He moved to Whitehall nearly five years ago. And he describes himself as a former newspaper man, fundamentalist, a minister and a jack of all trades and a master of none since <laughs> <laughs> stop since moving to the community <laughs> <laughs> since moving to the community he became involved in the village's planning board historic preservation commission and the chamber of commerce now asked if he believed in bigfoot he conceded that he had never seen or heard one but added i'm hopeful he was absent though for the most of this event, noting that his pet possum had died that morning. (laughs) Whitehall is currently referred to as the Bigfoot capital of the East Coast. There have been sightings in the area for years with the most sensational occurring in August of 1976, when three teens driving on an isolated stretch of a bare road said they came across a bizarre man like beast standing over seven to eight feet tall. And it was covered with hair. So they, Whitehall, New York, has a Sasquatch calling contest that over 30 oh, people, gosh. almost 40 people, came to do. Amanda, what is your take on this story? <laughs>
2: okay. So, first of all, what did I tell you before we started the show? I Googled <laughs> what Bigfoot sounded like, my friend, and there's an actual If you guys know what Chewbacca sounds like, that's what they did, but they dubbed it over with, like, maybe a higher-pitched noise. It was fantastic. Now, I (laughs) – okay, so I don't even know where to begin with this. Um, uh, So ESPN was there, you said? Yes. Okay. Can you imagine ESPN is there, and they're videotaping this ridiculousness and – ridiculous, ridiculousness. I think we got it down. And – and you know, a bunch of jocks are making fun of them. They're probably just sitting there, cracking up, making fun of them. I can't, like, my husband watches ESPN sometimes, and that's definitely not a thing. That's not a sport. <laughs> uh, not even a little. And also, I think Bigfoot sounds like a big, fat, juicy fart. That's what I think he sounds like. I don't think he really has a, I don't think he has, like, an actual voice, really. And if he does, I feel like it's kind of a, like, a, whee! That's what I think it is. I think he sounds and smells like a fart because he's so big. And could you imagine, like he's clomping through the woods and he's like clomping through all the mud and the puddles, and it's like <clears throat> that's what it probably sounds like. Because anytime anyone sees a Bigfoot, it's like rainy or it's late at night or it's like sometimes it's, it's, it's like during the day, but it's like at dusk. And, and they always say that Bigfoot has a smell to him. Anytime you ever hear someone say a story is that he smells, that he's a stinky creature that stinks. And so I think he smells like a big, giant, juicy fart. That's my take on that Bigfoot sound. But also, I don't, huh?
4: I was going to say, what do you think about the guy who missed most of the event because his pet possum died?
2: I think he's a frigging cult leader. (laughs) 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 Like, Like, what? Like, how are you going to have an event and you, you can't go because your pet possum died? Can you even have those as pets? It, he sounds like a hillbilly. No offense.
1: He just, <laughs> no, no, he doesn't, he, he
2: sounds like, he sounds like a con artist. Was he making money off of this?
4: I don't think so. I think it was just for the town.
2: I just, I think he did it for his entertainment. He was probably hiding behind a bush, videotaping it, making fun of everyone, <laughs> sitting there with those little, he doesn't have a possum, who even wants that as a friend? I don't want that as a companion. I'm all set. But I can picture him, he's like, sitting there, hiding behind a tree, or like, you know, like when you go hunting, and, and you know, they, they stand in those boxes, he was probably up in one of those, just watching it all, eating fried dough that his <laughs> possum brought to him that's not really dead that's my you,
4: you got to eat the fried dough that's Sorry, like, that was you know
2: well i would only go for for two reasons one because of the noises people would come up with and also because of the fried dough that's what i would go and maybe i would probably sneak some liquor in and maybe a little of that wacky tabacky to make it even better <laughs> i am all about that i think personally <laughs> I am not a Bigfoot believer, believe it or not. I don't – I think – I just think he's a winobo. Do you know what the winobos are? No. Okay. So winobos are they, – so they're, they, 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 they're they're part of like the – they're like the monkey – I don't know. They're part of the monkey family, I guess, and they, they kind they stand up and stuff. If you Google them, they're weird looking. So maybe someone came across winobo. not actually sure. But also, the teens, riding in a car. When I was a teenager, do you know what I did? I would – get in my car with my friends, hotbox that shit and drive around. That's what I would do. And if I saw strange things, it was because I was high off of my ass. Not because there was an actual Bigfoot. (laughs) Like, not to offend the Bigfoot fans, but I just, I can't get into them. But also, I also, you ever wonder if, maybe he is interdimensional. Do you think he's interdimensional?
4: I have no idea. I'm sure it's possible.
2: Nah. Like, but if you could stick a tinfoil hat on me, stick me outside for a couple hours, I'd be calling the aliens. So I'm just as weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty but seriously. Sure. I love aliens. I love a good alien. Maybe, maybe the aliens dropped him down just for fun. I don't know. I just, I think the whole event is f- people that really believe in Bigfoot or want to become believers. But I think, and the majority of people are there for the entertainment, and I bet you it's a bunch of drunk people. We should go, Jerry.
4: <laughs> we, you know, should, we should.
2: We should go, and I'll go. I'll go. I'll
4: it's, go. I mean, it's a lot closer to you.
2: Yeah, but you don't want to travel this far, right?
4: Not for Bigfoot calling contest.
2: What would you travel for? Like a ghost contest? A ghost calling contest?
4: Well, I don't think you can call a ghost either, even yes, though you Zach begging. They make noises. Yeah, what's a ghost sound like?
2: Ooh. <laughs> I just showed you. Woo. <laughs> well,
4: eventually they we get out. We're, com- huh? we're coming to New York. You just you just refuse to come down that way.
2: First of all, refuse is a very hefty word. I have two kids. Do You have a babysitting service. Bring them man. It's a. it's a Bring them. Do you understand what you're asking for? I don't think <laughs> you do. My children are little buttholes. <laughs> they're crazy. I love them, and they're great, but. Let me tell you, my son the other day walked around with my bra on his body, and he's, like, walking around with his bra on his body, and he's, like, walking, he's, like, touching. I'm, like, can you get my bra off of your body? I'm trying to concentrate on this Bigfoot calling contest, you know. <laughs> I gotta, I'm trying to, I'm thinking about this, you know, and he's looking at me. I'm, like, take my bra off. And so he just kind of takes it off and, like, puts it down, and I turn around, and my daughter's now got it on her head, apparently. I leave my stuff lying around i guess a little too much i'm a little careless so i'm trying to look up bigfoot stuff because i mean he's bigfoot's a bigfoot's an interesting character you know what you know what too though the hide behind i was telling you about that the what the hide behind remember i told you about that? yeah, I didn't read my, yeah. I did, you didn't read my story I, did you i did well, i remember the no, story the hide behind i'm a little offended but that's okay okay <laughs> I'm like 100% positive that the hide behind is also a Bigfoot now that I think about it. I'm going to have to look into that. But anywho, if Bigfoot had a sound, a smell, I I feel like Bigfoot also isn't covered in hair head to toe. And if he is, what parts are covered in hair? The parts that matter or the parts that don't? Does he have a bare naked butt or is it a regular butt? These are all these questions that are in my mind. Like if I was a woman Bigfoot, I wouldn't want to be exposed stuff like this this is stuff i think about and and if someone caught one would they actually would they actually take a photo of it because there are photos that float around right this woman i work with we discussed what bigfoot might sound like she said maybe he does sound like a big old fat i said yeah she said but also he might sound high pitched we don't know like we don't know what dinosaurs say dinosaurs how do we know they rod? We don't know. We don't know if that's actually what happened. We don't know. What if, what if, and this is my theory, they were like, they sounded like cats. Do you know what I mean? If They were like, meow, little T-Rex, little T-Rex arms walking around. Meow. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know. And like, I can't actually say that she, that, that a T-Rex or a, or a Bigfoot or a ghost, but we know ghosts. We've captured them. They say things like, get out, go away. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have what's the name you know what i call zach baggins you know him i don't like him just i don't know if i'm gonna get in trouble for that not a fan of him i have a name for him but i'm gonna have to tell you what i call him off off air because it's extremely offensive <laughs> yeah i'm sure it is it is Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan. yeah it's yeah he's something else so <laughs> i make fun of him all the time i have like impersonations of him so like can you imagine if he saw a bigfoot in the woods he would be like oh bigfoot get the out here Bigfoot and he'd scream and he'd like try and get a tree and knock it over and he'd pick up some sticks and like clap them together and then he'd get possessed by a by something in the woods while he's trying to find Bigfoot and that's who we want to take to a Bigfoot thing, him that's who I would want on my side if we were looking for Bigfoot just because of how ridiculous he is and how much fun that would be to tape. Or record. I'm saying take like an old, ancient person. Yeah, take but When we record it with our cell phones, how much? You know how many? How many YouTube likes you could get with that? Zach Baggins looking for a Bigfoot? It would be fantastic. There are so many jokes that I have about Bigfoot. Just like, oh, you know the movie I can't remember. And it's, oh, you smell like Bigfoot's dick. You ever see that?
4: Yeah, see that? I can't remember the movie. I know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, yeah, that. So, like, so I've been doing this, all this big <laughs> research, so I, like, will talk. I think that, I think that was Anchorman. My husband's stuff. Like, yes, it was Anchorman because he sprays that, yep. that stuff on him, that panther, sex panther. <laughs> and she says, oh, you smell like Bigfoot's dick. Like, how, like, if t- Bigfoot even has a dick. You know how, like, angels supposedly don't have body packs? They don't have vaginas and they don't have wings." Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Fajin's a ween. <laughs> what if he doesn't have a Fijine or a oh, that A man or woman. I just, I think Bigfoot is a crack. A, I think it's honestly that I, I can't get behind him. I can make fun of him. I don't make fun of the people that believe in him because I can't take away people's experiences like I have said to you before. And if anyone ever told me they saw one, I would believe them smidgy. But <laughs> I wouldn't ask any questions i would say cool and then keep it moving because i mean i told someone i thought i saw a ufo in the sky and they were like yeah okay because maybe i didn't i don't know i mean i do live in the bridgewater triangle
4: all right that was amanda's take what, did you have a good time no i wasn't done i know but i have to cut you off or you're going for like three hours
2: well you could just use some of that time Good night, Amanda. Oh, oh! I'm really still on the air. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. I'm rude. Good night. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus.
1: Hey, this is Tony Bruski from the podcast Real Ghost Stories Online and The Grave Talks. Cannot wait for August 24th to be with Hillbilly Horror Stories for their birthday live show at Columbia Steakhouse in Lexington, Kentucky. Tickets are only $15. You can get them through hillbillyhorrorstories.com. It's going to be a fun night as we hang out, do an episode of Hillbilly Horror Stories Live, talk ghosts, talk the undead. Maybe we'll even witness the ghost of a cow. It's a steakhouse, after all. You hear those mysterious moves. You got to wonder, are they back with blue cheese and mushrooms and onions on top? Woo! delicious ghosts. Anyway, we'll see you there. Saturday night, August 24th, Columbia Steakhouse, Lexington, Kentucky, Real Ghost Stories Online, The Grave Talks, and Hillbilly Horror Stories for their birthday show. Get your tickets now at hillbillyhorrorstories.com.